Hi, this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're going to hear how God called one young family to South Asia. I kind of just had a, a heart to share the gospel pretty, pretty, you know, soon after I came to Christ and just kind of had that, this mindset of like, man, how did I, how did it take so long for me to hear this, this message? And so that was like a, a growing passion in, in me. And it really was, you know, that kind of field to evangelism, just love, love to do that, but didn't have a vision really beyond that other than, you know, what, what kind of I had seen around me. And so, um, fast forward, you know, three or four years and we had, I had moved back to Dallas where I'd grown up and, and Courtney and I had met and we were dating and, and talking about getting engaged. And, uh, I think I remember asking her dad if I could marry her and he was like, okay, well, what are you going to, you know, how are you going to provide for my daughter? And I did not have a good answer for that. And so I was really looking for a job and I had a job lined up and it just, it just took a long time and nothing happened. And then a friend uh, introduced me to a, a brother named Kyle, and uh, he had just moved back from New York City and was was wanting to, you know, do movement stuff and and wanted to work with, um, you know, the international population, which I really didn't even know existed in my city. And so that was kind of, you know, the first introduction to it and, and the thought of it. And then in uh, 2015, uh, we went down to Austin for a four day four fields training. And we had up until that point, you know, been laboring for I don't know, maybe seven, eight, nine months together. And we were doing a lot of kind of, we had heard about uh, a brother in Austin, Fred, who was going out and passing out burritos and starting Bible studies in apartments. And so we were trying to do that with uh, with South Asians and we were passing out honey. We had a, a supporter who owned a honey company. And so we were passing out honey and not getting a ton of traction with the South Asians on the honey, but um, just trying to make attempts, you know? And we spent four days in Austin and it really... You know, you have those kind of watershed moments in your life. And that was one of them for us. I remember driving, we were driving back up to Dallas and uh, we were just like, wow, this is what we're going to give our lives to. And just, you know, the biggest thing was seeing it in the Bible. You know, it was a clear kingdom growth plan from scripture. We didn't have to, you know, read the latest book, you know, whatever methods, all that. It was all that's good, but it was a biblical approach to kingdom growth. And we were just floored by that and it just captured us. So So. they came back excited about this. And, um, from the the moment I had first met Aaron, I, so I took perspectives when I had moved to Dallas also. Um, I had always grown up in church. Um, but looking back now, I would say like, so I took perspectives and I realized that I didn't really understand the gospel all that well. So that six month course really just gave me a deeper understanding for God's heart, his heart for the nations. And I really felt a stirring that I know I had felt a few other times growing up, but didn't really know what to do with. And so after that class ended, I just said, okay, God, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how you want me to do anything with this. So you're just going to have to show me. Um, And two weeks later I met Aaron and we went on our first date and he's sharing the gospel with the waitress. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, who does this? I've never seen anyone do this. This is so, it's a little bit uncomfortable and awkward, but like, this is what I said I I wanted to do, but I didn't know how. So you've put this man in my life that's doing this. So um, I definitely, yeah, I just started to grow in that as I was seeing Aaron do it. And they came back from that first training and we started doing a lot of uh, door knocking 
harvest in that kind of way. And um, yeah, I definitely feel like, you know, as, as they're doing these things for a while, I was like, this is uncomfortable. I don't, I don't really like this, but God would grow my heart in it, especially when I would have to go take people to do it. I really felt like that's when I would grow a lot. Like, okay, now it's my turn to show someone else how to do this. And we would do it. And I would, God would just grow my heart. After we got married, we specifically moved to an apartment complex in Dallas where there was a heavy population of South Asians. Um, And we really felt like these are, we want to engage the unreached that live in our city. And this is where a lot of them live. So let's, let's live here. And so we would have a group that would come meet us once a week and we would go knock on doors, meet the neighbors and try to pray for them and, and share the gospel. Mm-hmm. And how did that? Yeah, I think that was our kind of our, you know, we didn't have a heart for South Asians necessarily. It was more of like, Hey, this is here's who God has brought. We want to reach at least reach peoples that have migrated to our city. And so that apartment complex just kind of jumped out to us. We, I remember driving by it. We prayer walked it and we just felt like we should come here. And so, yeah, for, for about two years, we labored in that apartment complex and, you know, saw some groups start and saw some people come to Christ. But, um, you know, ultimately, you know, people migrate and they migrate in and they migrate out, you know, and so we didn't see any necessarily lasting traction with that, but it definitely was kind of our start and trying to figure out, you know, how do we disciple cross-culturally? How do we, you know, see sustainable, you know, gatherings? And, um, and so that was kind of our initiation with South Asians. And then one of those times we were, we were out prayer walking and and we had a, a handful of people out with us and we we're just engaging some of the neighbors. And I met an older, uh, South Asian and he was from, um, South India. I think he was from, um, Karnataka and, we had a good conversation and he spoke decent English. And I remember sharing a story about Jesus healing somebody. And then I asked him, you know, do you have anything I can pray for healing? And he said, yeah, my eyes, I, I'm, I'm, I, I can't really see that well. I'm like I'm almost blind. And so I just prayed for him right there in Jesus name. And, you know, and that was it. We, and then about um, maybe four or five days later, uh, I'm sitting in my cow, my couch. We had just got back from Houston where we had learned the 411 for the first time. And so I'm just kind of di- you know, digesting this training we just went to. And I got a knock on the door. I'm, I'm by myself. And uh, I open it. And it's this man. And he just like starts like, you know, kind of uh, regurgitating his and his excitement that he can see now. <laughs> and so I was like, what in the world? So I invited him in. And, you know, immediately, like, you know, I'm training them how to share the gospel and just trying to use the the stuff that we had been learning and just encouraging him to go share with his family. And I ended up getting to, uh, you know, I, he lived with his, um, his son and, you know, in, in that culture, you know, the son was kind of the provider of that family. And so he never really felt comfortable really inviting us in. And so I would, he would go and walk, um, the apartment every day, like at, I can't remember, like 8am. So I would get up and go and just walk with him. And I would just share Bible stories with him and just kind of try to disciple him, you know, as best I could, um, and, you know, try to encourage him to take steps of obedience and uh, ended up finding the Bible in his language and giving it to him. And, uh, you know, we did that for a few months. And, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, our, you know, our um, relationship with him never really grew beyond that. You know, that was kind of our part in his in his life. But 
uh, that was definitely one of the first, you know, instances of kind of little, little tiny spiritual breakthrough that, you know, really excited us and, you know, kept us going and uh, moving forward. Right. Now, were you about to move on to another topic, Aaron? Well, I was just going to share, you know, um, I can't remember if it was, it was probably right around that time, 2015, maybe 2016, but uh, there was a conference at a, a big Baptist church in our in our city called the South Asia Now Conference. And we went to that. And that was really where I think God touched our heart in a deeper way, specifically for South Asia. And uh, just seeing the, you know, the vast population and almost 2 billion, you know, 2 billion people across the region. And just like, what is South Asia? You know, what countries comprise South Asia? And, you know, hearing from, you know, brothers and sisters who are serving there, uh, what God was doing. Uh, it just, that was a big, a big moment for us too, that, that God really planted that seed that, you know, several years later, I think, you know, continued to grow, you know, for, for about 18 months, we really labored hard trying to reach, you know, the, the UPG, UUPG populations. We'd go to college campuses and, you know, apartment complexes where, um, you know, people had been resettled, refugees, things like that. Uh, but eventually, you know, we, we're just kind of through some advice of of others and and just as the spirit led, we started really investing a lot of time training others. And so it became more of like a geographic approach. And so wherever people that we got connected to lived, we would go out in their area and just try to help them take local ownership to reach the lost in their area. And so, you know, over a 12, 18 month period, we saw, you know, probably 18 to 20 different, you know, people take some level of ownership. To, to make disciples who are making disciples. And eventually a handful of local churches we started partnering with. And, uh, and in 2017, I remember Kyle and I, we were doing, we were doing a seven day fast. And on the seventh day of that fast, we, we did our first training with, uh, with, with Ross and FEC Allen. And that really kind of, you know, took off in terms of their commitment and their ownership. And so we spent a, a decent season, you know, just with them uh, in, in their city and uh, I think that was kind of a turning point in terms of our, our, our focus. But we still had, you know, a deep desire to reach, you know, least reach peoples. And so after about, you know, two years, you know, after that point, we through the organization we uh, used to work for, we got connected with some brothers in India, in South Asia. And so, um, you know, we we just started traveling over and investing in them. And you know, I think at that point, God had really shown me personally, and I think us as a family that we really felt called to invest in, in leaders, kind of that Ephesians for, you know, equipping the saints for the work of ministry, uh, seeing our role as, as kind of, um, you know, just to serve people who are taking local ownership in, in the, the most strategic places in the world. And so it was really kind of that natural progression to lead us to South Asia. And, and when we had those relationships, you know, that was really um, what drew us. And so we had a vision in, in in Dallas, December 31st, 2020, you know, no place left. That was kind of, you know, from early 2015, 2016, we kind of had that vision. And I think, you know, learning what does no place left mean over those years really was an evolution. Uh, and, you know, Paul had no room left for himself to work in, in those, in, in his Mediterranean field. Right. And I think for us, we realized, for Courtney and I, around December, November, December of 2020, we really felt the Lord calling us away from from Dallas. And you know, there wasn't there wasn't anything that He was asking us to do any longer there. 
And so um, we started making preparations to transition to South Asia around that time. And then by August of the next year, that is when we landed landed here in South Asia. Really, we both really started to have a heart for South Asia. Um, but me with two small kids, that thought was a little bit scary. I was like, um, but we have a comfortable life here. We have grandparents here. This is easy. Um, that would be a, a really hard to do. So um, we decided to go there. Actually, March of 2020, we had planned a trip with some other people in our org to go to India and check it out. And there were starting to be like little things here and there. You can't travel through China. So I think we had a route for there. We had to switch some flights, but we still just thought, you know, this is over there. We're fine. We can still go. So we get to India. We spent three or four days. And then that's when everything started to shut down. So we had to leave. Um, but I was really wrestling and struggling, even in those three days, just thinking like, I don't, I don't know if I can live in a place like this. Like they don't even use car seats in their cars. How can I safely have children in this place that I remember really being concerned about the car seats. <laughs> um, and so on the flight back, just praying and trying to give it to the Lord. Um, but then COVID happened and everything was shut down for a long time. And I remember being a little bit relieved, like, okay, we don't have to do anything now. Like the world is shut down. We don't, we don't have to go yet. We've got some time. Um, and then uh, September, October, November started to get to come. And uh, Aaron kept saying, you know, I really feel like even with all this going on, I just really feel like we're supposed to go soon. And uh, as I prayed about it, I just admitted to him, like, I, I don't want, I'm scared to do this. I really don't want to go. Mm-hmm. And Aaron just really encouraged me. You, you know, you can admit that to God. He, you don't have to hide that from him. He knows. And so I did, I just prayed and I said, God, I just confess that I don't want to, I don't want to do this. This is scary and it's hard and I really don't have a desire to do it. And it was really amazing how he just honored that prayer. And really quickly, I started to get a desire to go. And I started to also feel discontent with being in Dallas. It just didn't feel like mm-hmm. I, we love Dallas. All of our family is there. and But we just didn't feel like we were supposed to live there in this season anymore. Um, and so we really just started to ramp up. Okay, if we're supposed to go, you know, where where should we go? How do we start doing this in the middle of COVID? When I was um, really starting to, to have a strong, strong desire to share my faith, I remember um, sitting in a Starbucks. I just bought, you know, a thousand gospel tracks on some website. And I remember sitting in this Starbucks and I was just like, I have to get this message to people. And I was scared to death. I just remember telling telling Jesus, I'm going to share the gospel with, with as many people as I can for six months and see what happens. And, you know... I, I stood up and I passed out a track to everybody in that Starbucks. Everybody thought I was out of my mind. I got out of there as quick as I could, <laughs> but that really changed my life. And what I felt like the Lord taught me in that moment was you'll, you'll never regret saying yes to me. And so every time Jesus asked us to take a step of obedience, I, I just, you know, that, that moment changed my life. Everything good in my life I can point to has come from saying yes to Jesus. And so when we had this opportunity, it really was an opportunity. You know, it was like, man, wh- like, what is God going to do? You know, what what are we going to receive in relationship with the Lord as we as we take this step and follow Him in this direction? Okay. And so we had planned on going to this one specific country where, like he said before, we had a couple of people we were working with already. But as 
2021 started and we kind of put our launch date out there, that country just would not open. Um, they had really high COVID restrictions. Um, we just, they weren't opening for foreigners to come. And so we prayed and we just asked God, okay, if that place doesn't open for five, six years, we feel like we were, we're disobedient to not go because you're asking us to go. So where, where else do you want us to go if we can't go there yet? So we spent some time, we prayed and we fasted and, um, there's a, another country in South Asia. We really felt like, okay, this is a, a good option. This place is open. Um, there's a, a, a lot of need there. So how about we go there for six months? Maybe we plug in with the people that are already there locally working. And then as this other country opens again, we can shift. Um, so that's what we, we did. We packed everything up. And with us and our two kids, we moved to this this other country. We, for the first six months, we didn't have access to that other country. And so we just kind of, you know, as we were launching over, I felt like the Lord put on my heart. I want you to share the gospel 10 times a day. I want you to just get out, meet people. You know, what do you, what do, you do, right? When you go somewhere, you, you share the gospel. And so that's really what we did. And I lo- honestly, I loved it. I was having so much fun. I loved like the urban, you know, this is a very densely, densely populated urban environment. And for the first, you know, probably six, six weeks, at least I was, I was in heaven. I was, I was having so much fun and engaging people. And I got to start reading the Bible with a handful of guys. And, uh, you know, there's not a ton of English speakers here, but, but there's enough. And in the area we live, there's, um, you know, a decent expat population. And so we're able to find, you know, enough to, to, to kind of get going. And within that first four to six weeks, I really sensed God was kind of touching our heart for this place. It, maybe it wasn't going to be, you know, a pit stop on the way somewhere else. And um, and just kind of this sense that maybe the, you know, the timing for what the Lord wants to do here is 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 soon, is is now. And kind of almost like he's inviting us to join him. And so, you know, with our kind of, you know, mindset and I think giftings and kind of experience you know, the idea of, you know, who are the local people that we can invest in? You know, that's that's kind of our highest value, um, you know, thing that we're, we're focused on. And after about three months, um, we got we got connected with a brother, uh, MBB brother, uh, and just an incredible testimony where he had came to the Lord, gone back and shared with his family. This is about seven, eight years ago and had received like extreme persecution, was kind of left for dead. Um, thankfully his mom kind of stepped in and, and he ended up being on house arrest, um, for a few months and just basically just read the Bible, you know, in isolation for several months. And, uh, one day his, his mom, his, his dad had passed away by this point and his sister come and, and they're, they're upset. Uh, his, his baby niece had, uh, was, had stopped breathing and was like changing color. She's turning purple and they say, we need to go to the hospital. And so he's, he, they needed his help. And he just stopped and said, no, we need to pray to Jesus. And um, he just said, yeah, God had just spoken to him. Everything you've been reading about me is, is, is real. And so he just prayed for that baby. And within 30 seconds, the baby was breathing again. And, you know, that led to his mom and sister coming to Christ. And his mom basically said, you know, I want you to, to give your life for this message. And so for the last five or six years, he had kind of been you know, uh, connecting with different local leaders and um, trying to kind of find what is God calling him to do and kind of making attempts. And so when we met him uh, and heard his story, we just said, hey, let's go, let's go, you know, for us, like, 
let's just see if he'll go share the gospel with us. And let's, and so we just started kind of taking, taking steps with him. And, um, you know, early on, like you could just see the difference. It was really stark for me. I knew that cross-culturally, you know, there's challenges communicating, but when I saw him share with people and he would use some of the stuff we taught him, but mostly his own testimony was, was what he used, but it was crazy to me how he could connect with people where I couldn't. And, you know, we had done a lot of cross-cultural work in Dallas and I just had no idea. I never had a leader in Dallas that was from a near culture that really I got to observe up close like that. And so I just only had my experience. And when I saw the difference, I was converted to, I'm not the answer, <laughs> you know, to this place. I, it, it, it isn't going to be me. And so he just early on, we would go kind of go do everything together. And we would invite these guys that were open back to our apartment and, and they would, you know, guys that God had prepared and some of them had had dreams and they started believing and getting baptized in our apartment. And we were just, it was, it was so exciting. You know, we were on cloud nine. We were just like, this is, this is it, you know? And, but we really started to see that this brother had a vision um, bigger than ours, you know? And he was, he mm. was so humble. And and one of the big issues in South Asia is, you know, a lot of guys don't want to release authority to others because it kind of means, you know, they're, they're sacrificing their own livelihoods in a lot of ways because, you know, they get support to do those, those tasks. And he just never had that barrier and God provided for him outside of us financially, which was huge kind of for our relationship. And, um, and yeah, so we kind of started gaining traction with, with that relationship, you know, but along the way, like, you know, those first seven, eight, nine months, you know, that, that first six weeks, you know, they, the honeymoon phase, I guess it started to wear off and, you know, I was no longer new, but everybody I interacted with, I was new. And so it started to, dr to drain me a little bit. Uh, and just the attention that we received just for being different started to drain me. And then just the density of the population, you know, I'm a, I'm kind of an introvert. I, I receive energy by being alone. And um, you're just never alone. Like you come out of our apartment and Courtney's laughing. Like there's like 20 people that work in our building because that's just how it is in South Asia, you know, and they're doing construction everywhere. And you come out and at any given time, there's 30 guys on a break and you're the thing that's, that's going to uh, get their attention for the next 50 seconds while you walk by and your and your wife and your daughter. And you're just like, I, I, that's been for me a huge, it just, I feel like, it's a relentless taking of my emotional energy. And I just have to find where is that going to get replenished from? And there's no mountains, there's no beach, there's no trails to hike. What are you going to do? You know, there's pollution outside, there's mosquitoes everywhere. Like you can't hide from it. You know, even in my house, like if I'm going to take a nap, I put a mosquito net up because the last thing I want is my 30 minute cat nap to get interrupted by a mosquito bite, you know? So those are some of the challenges for me. Courtney has different giftings and she can share her challenges, but she's yeah. definitely more resilient on that stuff than I am. For the kids and I, we're doing really, really well. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with there's a, an expat school here. Um, it was actually started as a school for AMKs um, a long time ago. And so they, the last five or six years, for different reasons, they opened it up to Bengalis. So it's probably 60% Bengali kids that go there, maybe, maybe a little bit more. The other is international uh, workers or yeah, 
pretty much all the international people are embassy workers. workers oh, embassy yeah. workers, yeah. So um, that was huge, huge, huge. Um, I think I could do homeschooling if I really, really like made myself do it, but I just don't feel like that's a strength of mine. It would really be hard for me. It would take a lot. Um, so having that school here has been a huge, huge blessing. Um, they have a bus system that comes and gets the, gets the kids because we don't have a car and the kids have made friends really fast. And, uh, for me, it was really helpful because one of the main ways that I learned to be engaging the harvest in Dallas, you know, I would go knocking on the doors with everyone when we had our first daughter, our daughter. And, but until when she was about a year old, it just got hard, um, she won't stay in one place. She's running through the house. And then we had our son. So now I have two kids and knocking on doors. is just not super. It just doesn't really work for me anymore. And so I started to try to think of ways. How can I start engaging the harvest myself? And so I would go to different playgrounds and parks. Um, and as the kids are playing, just trying to sit and talk to moms, pray for them, and then share that way. And they're actually at that at that one really big mega church in Dallas. Um, they have a huge indoor playground. And every time I would go there, it was all international people. Like there was no white people in there. No one that goes to that church. They just go for the free playground. And so I started sharing a lot there. And I actually got to um, start reading the Bible with a, an Iranian woman uh, who ended up coming to faith and we got to baptize her. But so anyway, so that was really my pattern in Dallas. And so as we shifted here, um, you know, for me being able to have other parents where I can share with, that's what I was looking for. So the kids going to school and having this pool of friends where now I have a pool of moms that I can try to start engaging. Um, that I think that was really helpful for me. So I've been trying to, we do different play dates and I try to share with the moms and, and get stuff going that way. But, um, yeah, so this, the school has been really helpful. Um, but yeah, I think the kids and I, I mean, I can't really think of, we're doing very, very well. It's, and it's by the grace of God, because I was very scared to bring my kids to a place like this, but they're doing really well. And I, you know, I, I enjoy living here. I, I think that people are fun and <laughs> I don't mind the attention as much. I just take pictures of them. And <laughs> yeah. You know, from those kind of early months where I, you know, I was able to be kind of on the front line, so to speak. Um, we've, we've seen a couple, we've seen, um, you know, one church here in the city, and then that's multiplied to a second generation church in another part of the city. Um, and so I get to kind of interact with with that first one a little bit. We've had some challenges with, you know, people from different classes of society um, kind of get looked at differently when they come out, outside of their bubble. And so we've had to shift our meeting place a couple times already because, you know, people in the building complain, hey, why are these people coming? Who are they? You know, and there's just a lot of suspicion. And I think that's kind of, you know, the the religious environment here just kind of lends itself to that. So th that's been some challenges, but um, those two churches have stuck. And then um, just with our, our brother's relationships, um, we've been connected with, uh, you know, lots of different people. And he just has a really intuitive uh, sense of how to kind of filter. And, you know, finances is, is, is probably the honestly the biggest filter here uh, in South Asia and in our country specifically, you know, there's a very small percentage of believers. And so if you believe, you know, there's a lot of people that will pay you for that, if you know what I'm saying. And so he does a good job of kind of finding who's called from the Lord, whose heart bleeds for the kingdom and who's looking for, you know, rightfully so a way to provide for their family primarily. 
and and kind of that Matthew six thirty three dynamic. And because of his personal experience, you know, he can he kind of has a, a way of you know for us cross culturally, economically, the gap there like it, it doesn't really work. But for him, you know, he can have those. And so he does a lot of that filtering on his own. And so we've gotten connected with. Uh, three leaders in different parts of the country that um, so a couple of them already had some existing work, but didn't, ha- you know, didn't have any, you know, training, certainly no like real kingdom growth plan um, vision, you know, but they, they're, these are the ones that have kind of come through that filter that, that are teachable, that are really wanting to see others raised up and take ownership. Uh, so we've been spending some time with those brothers and, you know, they're starting to see some track traction in some of the, the rural areas. And so we're really excited about that. And, you know, um, two of those br- brothers are, are working, you know, among cousins. They're both MBB leaders. And then another one is in another part of uh, Bangladesh, uh, working more with, with tribal tribal peoples. Um, and so uh, anyways, yeah, that's, you know, we're, we're, we're figuring out, you know, all these different dynamics. And for me personally, where can I go? Where can I not go? And really deferring to you know, our brother, you know, what's, what's safe, what's helpful for him. And so kind of that balance where you want to model, assist, watch, launch, but where can you go to model if it's dangerous for the local people, your presence there. And so kind of finding that balance and, um, you know, we're, we're, we're making some attempts with that, bringing guys into town more often because we can kind of blend in here, especially in our area more. And uh, so just trying to see him take more and more ownership and, you know, kind of just in time, type training as, as different. So we just got to do some gin mapping this week with those, with two of those brothers we brought into town and, um, you know, just kind of seeing er- how's the early work going, showing them, Hey, what does a healthy church look like? And every one of them, you know, uh, communion baptism, there's a little bit of stuckage there. So kind of working with them through that and assume sharing his experience. And uh, I guess you can get that out. Sorry. Uh, our brother sharing his experience, and, you know, he, he's a practitioner, right? So he's not just training these guys, but he's doing the work. And from his experience, he's, he's teaching and, and, and releasing and, and giving away the things he's learning. It's like, I just believe God wants to do this. And this is his heart, you know? And when I look at the population of, our, our, of, our, of the country that we live in, I just think I'm, I'm 100% confident that God wants every man and woman, boy and girl to hear the gospel. And then for us, we would need mathematically 500,000 people a day to hear the gospel for everyone in, in a year to, to, to hear. And so I just believe God wants to do that. And, I, and I'm just confident that it's not depending on me. And ultimately that, you know, God is calling me into a relationship with himself. You know, I love uh, John Piper. Uh, he, you know, he says missions exist as worship doesn't. And so for me, it's just I get to be with God every day. And the challenges, all my junk, all my baggage, all my sin, you know, I, I have someone to go to that I that loves me, that I trust with that stuff. You know what I mean? Every time you walk out of your door here, you just you see so much hopelessness, like lots and lots of beggars everywhere. There's kid kids just running around in the street. There's just a lot of um sadness that you see and you can just feel that and so yeah just how many of these people are going to have an opportunity to hear the hope of jesus um you know the christian population is so small like how are we helping to engage them and sharing and it's really i didn't realize before it's a struggle here the people here that were born christian they're really really scared of sharing with the majority population and they they don't do it and 
we've even heard stories of when cousin seekers come to churches here, they get turned away because the church is scared of them. And so, you know, how do we, how do we help them have a heart for these people? You know, when they, you look outside, you see everyone going by, they have no hope. Most of them won't hear the hope we have in Jesus, even as, you know, they ask us for money for the hundredth time and it's, they follow you down the street and you just want to be annoyed at them. You just think like, this is all, this is what they have their hope in. This is mm-hmm. all they know. They don't have hope in anything else. They're just trying to provide for themselves. So mm-hmm. how can we help them see that where you're trying to find security, whether it's from food or money, you know, I want you to have those things, but more than that, you need the hope of Jesus. That's the only thing that's going to get you out of it.